Welcome back to another Youth Centered Podcast. We are in week nine of the new normal here at the Youth Center. Hope everyone is healthy and safe uh, as we try to fight through this. And uh, I think we are seeing a light at the end of the tunnel and we are moving towards that light. We're not standing still. So this week's podcast, I'm very excited to have uh, Brian Frazier from North Andover Cable Access. I've gotten to know Brian over the years uh, for some tremendous work that he's done. And he's obviously been very um, supportive of us at the Youth Center. And I'd be remiss if I did not give them complete credit for me starting the podcast itself two years ago. Uh, I brought the idea to IT Director Chris McClure, who talked to Brian Fraser. And interestingly enough, they both had the same question to me. Do people listen to podcasts? And... um, Obviously, I was passionate about it, and Brian was unbelievable. Gave me one of his uh, his um, staff members who kind of trained me. We used we used cable access equipment for about a year, and then through a grant, we were able to buy our own equipment. So, obviously, we have a high opinion of cable access, and we're going to get into it why we think that this has been an incredible. Um, opening for a lot of people of how much cable access really does, and we'll get into that in depth. So first of all, welcome to, to our Youth Centered podcast, Brian. Glad you could make it. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, we always kind of work uh, in, in parallel with each other, and it's not, you know, we, we try and help out as much as we can, so it's, it's good to, to, to be on a joint project. <laughs> Absolutely. So Brian, a lot of people know who you are, uh, and you are, tend to be the guy behind the camera calling the shots and things like that, but people probably ha- uh, have recognized the face before, but um, maybe not know 100% who is Brian Frazier? How do you get involved with this business all the way up to you know, leading NACAM? So can you give us a little bit of the, the, the files on Brian Frazier? Sure. Um... So I've been in video production all the way since high school. Uh, we were, I was fortunate to have um, four years in high school way back when. That was kind of unheard of at the time. But um, So four years in high school, all through college. Um, after college, I ended up working with um, a, a production facility. Uh, they hired me off the street from, from production. I, I was doing corporate stuff, and they basically um, were – they, they sold um, industry product, whether it's cameras or, I mean, not cameras, uh, lighting and grip and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's easier to teach industry people sales, not, you know, salespeople the industry because it's very intricate with all the stuff that, that goes on behind the scenes. So I was there for about 10 years, and then um, I, I ended up in North, at North mm-hmm. Andover Cam in about 2008. Um, I've always been behind the scenes so you don't you might not see me on camera that much but um it's uh it's it's fun to bring uh video to people um in in with cable access it's 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 great because it's it's just part of the community um so coming from um the the broadcast end of things i feel like i've brought you know, a higher quality of production to, you know, what we all known in the past is, is cable access. It can be throw a camera on a tripod and, and, and just kind of shoot things. But we always, we take a meaning of, meaningful approach to everything. And I think across the land, most of the cable access stations are, are really up in their game with, with uh, production value. So cable access, I'm not sure how long it's been around in North Andover or most communities, but give us a little history of North Andover's cable access and, you know, how it actually started, um, you know, actually in terms of how's your program even funded, et cetera. Yep. So um, most 
most towns had cable access and it was provided by the cable company. So I think, you know, it was Media One and then Comcast bought them out. You know, it was a lot of transitions over time. And uh, so when it was Comcast run, it's, it's really impersonal. So the, the Comcast, Comcast the, the cable companies were mandated to have this open access for the public. Um, and basic, basically it was, you know, we can teach you how to, how to use a camera and then go out and, you know, we'll put on any content that you want to put on. Um, but they didn't promote it very well. They really weren't interested in it. So as the cable access stations um, had the option to become like a nonprofit, uh, the cable companies didn't want their hands in it. They wanted to produce, you know, they wanted to provide cable services, not produce local television. So these nonprofits started happening. And, uh, you know, that all started happening between, I'd say, early 2000, you know, in that, in that range. They were all starting to become nonprofits. So North Andover became nonprofit in 2004. And uh, you might have known Ellie. She was the executive oh, yeah. director yeah. before me. And then when I came in in, in 2008, um, you know, I just, you know, absorbed into the community. Um, so community television, it's uh, a federally kind of mandated thing where there's a percentage of the cable company revenue that is mandated to come back for cable access. Right. So those funny little charges at the end of your cable bill, um, you know, we might all complain about them, um, but one of those is for us. And our goal and our mission is to return that value right back into the community. So um, we do that by, um, you know, covering, you know, promoting as much as stuff, uh, much stuff in the community as possible. We cover all the meetings, the, the board meetings through the government, um, and we produce town meeting coverage, that type of stuff, and as well as all our uh, educational services, where we're educating people on how to make media and uh, providing top-of-the-line equipment so that they don't have to rent it or I mean it's thousands of dollars if you really want to sure. rent a you know a, a solid piece of equipment uh, for, for a production so we make all those uh, services available to people and in return you know whether it's the skill set of the staff um, you know my background is broadcast lighting um, I've, I've um, can I, I'm gonna jump right into to, to our, our staff at, sure. the, uh, at, Go ahead. at the studio, but so there's about, there's four full-timers in, including me. Um, I have extent, extensive, um, you know, uh, cinema background as far as motion picture, not like movies, but like, you know, video and, and TV production. Um, so I bring that skill set with lighting. Um, Susan Martin has been fantastic. Um, she's studying marketing, so she's bringing kind of that to the table, and she's well-versed in, in video production and editing. Um, Ray, uh, Ray De Silva is um, our programming coordinator, and he's uh, programming the channels, does a lot of editing. Um, I've probably been partnering him with him the most during this uh, COVID time just because we're we're navigating, you know, some of the new stuff with, with um, the, the meetings, the meeting coverage, remote meeting coverage and stuff like that. But um, uh, they all, you know, the whole staff um, can shoot and edit and, and teach, you know, being able to be, um, you know, friendly and open to the community and inviting. Um, Bill Robert uh, is on board to take a lot of the kind of the technical, technical stuff off of my shoulders. 
so that I can be an executive director and promote and do outreach and, and, and things along those lines. Um, but one of the things I heard from before I came in was, you know, it was um, not as accessible. So my, my, my ambition was to just make sure that people knew that the resources were there for them and, in, and be inviting. So trying to bring staff in that was very inviting, very um, accepting of people's ideas and stuff like that. Because at the end, go ahead. Yeah, big shout out to Susan Martin because Susan is the one that actually got our Youth Senate podcast up and running. And I loved her energy, her passion, um, her expertise. And as she will tell you, I was not the most technologically savvy person when I started this podcast. The fact that I'm actually my own engineer now is, is amazing. But all of your staff, uh, Bill came in and did a lot of our getting our software set up and everything. And just some tremendous people that I don't think people know enough about of what really goes on that. Let me ask you, when you came in and 2008 I remember obviously um, you're in a new home which I want you to talk about but uh, for years you were at the high school was Cam at any place else besides that before the high school uh, I think they were in the the old Johnson High School so oh, okay. so as Comcast um, and and in 2004 the school was built correct? correct so as that transition happened I think that's when they took the opportunity to go nonprofit and um, and so that transition to the new high school was the transition to so the so when the new high school was open it was there you had a nice studio there um but then um i want to know how it came about that you basically got your site down on main street and if people if you have not been there uh you need to uh, obviously when we open up again and it's safe I, I really ask you to come down and and see the great uh work down there but great space down there how did that all come about so we did um you know as the new we with the with the cable companies, you have ten year contracts with the town, and we're 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 kind of a, a partner in that. Um, the um, so as we were doing the studies for that, we did the measurements for the existing space. Um, so we had, and I've said this story a million times, we had in the school fourteen hundred square feet. Four hundred square feet of that was hallway, bathroom, and foyer. So of the remaining thousand square feet about 70% of that could be checked out by membership, being the studio, the control room, and all that kind of stuff. Um, 300 square feet doesn't leave a lot of room for running a business or sure. you know, just kind of growth of programming and stuff like that. So um, some of the things that were inherently limiting at the other facility were the edit stations were in the studio along the wall. So if, if you had a TV production going on in the studio and you had four edit bays, it it was hard to ha have anybody editing with all the ruckus going on in the, in the production studio. Or maybe you had room for one you know edit bay to work because the cameras kind of smooshed into where the edit bays were. So, um, and you run a multi-program type facility. Sure. So if, you know, if all of a sudden, you know, you had to have half the basketball court dedicated to something else, it's hard to run a basketball program in, what we're both working in is after hours time, right? Sure. So after your work hours, after school hours, it's already a premium of time slots as it is. But if you can't run multiple programs, then then it's 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 tough to grow. Um, so doing that simple math it just made it clear that we needed to be in a bigger space to grow. Um, a lot of the cable access studios across the state were 
included in a in the schools you know so i know at some point you know this like state funding that helps you know build these schools and the bigger footprint you have you know the the more support you get from the state something along those lines not an expert but that you know that type mm -hmm. of thing so you know it made sense at the time for the town to go in that direction um but a lot you know and it's great access to the students but students you know youth is always looking for workshops um the problem we had at the high school was the entire community felt that what we did was for the kids because it was out of school it was a it was a like a inherent barrier for adults to feel like it was their station or they had access to it it sure. took a lot of convincing uh for for adults to come in and, and produce shows and whatnot and and cable access stations are more successful when they have more adults running the shows i mean we love the kids over half our membership is is youth and um and you know we couldn't do half the stuff we we do without the youth and we love the youth but as far as ongoing shows usually if you look at a snapshot of all the other tv stations it's early right retirees you know that that have just retired and you know they're looking for hobbies and whatnot i mean those are the the people that lock into our our volunteer crew and uh we're we're just starting to get into that traction now that we're into the new building um the uh, being in the high school is great because you had a lot of high school traffic sure. that would would learn about us and come use us for school projects and whatnot so we've lost a lot of that kind of walk-in traffic from the high school students but our after-school workshops are, are just as full as they ever were with um, fourth and fifth graders, middle school, um, and then high school is where we're just going to learn to to penetrate again. Just so that um, so we still have a little bit of a presence there with Paul Paul Mayette, and he's he's teaching a class over there. So mm -hmm. there's some crossover, and we would be willing to to do after-school programming over there too. So. How much space do you have on the main street site? So the new space we're super excited about is um, it's 4,200 square feet. Wow. And, um, and it, it allows us to have the administrative offices that we need, um, whereas before our, you know, two of our staff members, their desks were in the control room with the server. <laughs> so right. it was like whirring machines and you couldn't talk on the phone with a vendor or anything like that. Um, so we have um, office space and then, you know, the other two thirds of the building is all dedicated to programming, whether it's um, our, kitchen, our kitchen set, edit bays, uh, a professional edit suite where you can kind of shelter in place and, and, and not be disturbed. Um, we're s slowly uh, moving into the podcasting world too. We'll have a podcasting room over there and our server is locked away in a server room where it should be. So it's not disturbing any, any, you know, workflow or production value, you know, just having that, that noise constant in the whole space was, was, was tough. Um, and then our studio is, double the size of what it was at the, at yeah. the studio at the high school. So it was 21 by 21 by 29. And now it's, it's 30 by 40. I mean, it's, it's a gorgeous space, um, with TV production, the more space you have, the more production value you can have, uh, on your set. Um, so you get a little bit more depth in the background, um, fancier colors on the back wall because you're further away from the set. You know, in the, in the technical world, that's you know you want you want big. You know, even though it's still just one set, it's going to look that much better because we all we have all the uh, the 
I mean, it is a beautiful sight, and obviously when we get back to some kind of normalcy, uh, Brian will probably have another open house so people can see it. I love also where it is in terms of the buildup of what I call Lower Main Street, um, you know, that whole area with the Bradstreet School, which was obviously the site is on the site of the old Bradstreet School. But, you know, J&M and, the, you know, Gordon Physical Therapy and all the things down there, it's been a nice real addition to Lower Main Street, which is great. Let me not to criticize, you know, predecessors of you of what was done before but since you've been here uh, and I think you said 2008 I've seen an increase in programming and a variety of program can you talk a little bit again pre-pandemic but what are some of the vision that you had for programming and what is what are some of the really the the great programs that you do know that people are checking out I mean obviously you do a phenomenal job with selectmen's meeting finance committee meeting health committee meeting all of those important government committee meetings but what about programming so programming and, and just to make sure everybody is aware so we run all three channels in the town um, so we have a government channel that's mostly either uh, town state or federal government programming uh, that's where you find most of those meetings the the education channel which is content a little bit of a hybrid is content from the school department you know or, or education and related related um, and or our members may um, produce content and put it on there, you know, kind of through the sports, right? So we have volunteer members that will cover all the high school sports, and then that stuff will go onto that channel too. Um, and then there's the public access channel, which is everything else. Um, so churches, um, you know, special interests, uh, activists, that type of thing. So if anybody's, you know, wants to do um, uh, anything, you know, show or you know put their church service on on the air or if they want to do a poetry show or any special interest they can they can put that on on the, the public access channel and we're we're there to support it people ask us all the time do you want this type of show and you know we we want any type of show but you know do you have this type of show on it doesn't matter if you want to put it out there that's what they we're, we're, we're there for if we have a cooking show we'll take 10 more you know mm -hmm. it doesn't matter we're not we're not bound to advertisers. We're not bound to um, ratings. Our success is if you got on the channel what you were interested in, right? So we're not lining up. We're not lining up a programming slot. Oh, we need a cooking show. We need a, a sports show. We it's really there for public access, and and we're there to help you get your ideas on TV. Um, we did um, a, a lot. We've had a handful of regular series shows um every town's a little bit different um sister town in andover seems to have more like repetitive shows every two weeks whether it's the the, the clergy or uh, slugman will do a show or something like that um we have two or three that are series but we have a lot of one-off shows we have a lot of you know who you know poetry this month wrestling um you know that type of thing and um, it's eclectic in that way, which is fine. But we'd love to have more um, people that want to kind of lock in and, and do a cooking show every week or every other week or whatnot. I mean, my, I, I'm going to self-promote the same idea. I've been, since I came here, I said, let's do a poker charity show. So, um, you know, it was big when I started. You know, Texas Hold'em was on TV all the time. But I still think having our local celebrities play the game <laughs> Our local businesses donate for the player, 
right? So, so they, you know, a business donates 50 bucks for that player to be at the, at the seat. And then before the game, they pluck out a charity that the wins, the winnings will go to. Sure. So now you've kind of trifolded every, you know, every aspect of the town, whether it's local businesses, you know, um, local people that are, you know, your, your, your police chief or something like, you know, just your local celebrities and then charities in town. So like everybody's kind of getting exposure and that's how I approach a lot of the stuff is how can we get more people involved and benefiting from the exposure of these ideas. So, I'm, so if anybody wants to help me with that idea, I'm still yeah, I'm still dying to get that show going. I, I love the idea, and I want to be in the chair next to Chief McCarthy because I do think I could probably beat him in Texas Hold'em. But so one of the things I've been pretty outspoken about to you know my bosses, uh, D. Casey and Melissa Rodriguez, as well as my staff, is um, I believe that you and your department have been the hardest working crew um, during this pandemic, and I know everybody is doing a great job but you guys have taken on in my opinion a whole new life during this pandemic as a way of communicating to our residents and getting the word out and stuff talk to me a little bit about what it's been like since march um and as well as some of the creative things that you're doing and if you can kind of delve into something that you and i got involved in and, and happily so is the class of 2020 uh trying to make it special for them so talk a little bit about the pandemic and all the things that you are doing because you guys are working a ton of hours it's you know it's it's definitely changed and, and ramped up almost immediately um the and, and just to jump on what you said so you said a department so just to make sure everybody knows we're not a town department we're a complete correct you know independent agency but our sole mission is to serve the town. So we're, we're very much in sync with everything the town does. Um, but yes, everything changed. And we, we went from like a three channel focus, you know, public education and government to really, you know, gravitating really to the, um, the government side, right? So we, we became a sole conduit for, you know, direct information from the town. Um, and as the as the closures happened, and as the governor changed some of the provisions to the open meeting law temporarily, uh, we became the only public access to any of the proceedings that are going on in town. So where you have an open meeting, you know, society, any of the board, you know, the selectmen, the board of health, you know, you have the right to walk into any of those meetings because it's an open meeting. Um, well, that stopped happening as soon as COVID happened. So, um, so we we're we've been under the, the 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 gun to make sure that these meetings are all televised, whether they were normally televised by us or not. Anything that was deemed a, a, a an open meeting, we cover. Um, so, they you know they slowed down on some of the advisory boards um, and have just been meeting you know for the for the you know the needed meetings. Um, how, how has that been going? Because that's new territory. Again, selectmen and right. certain committees have been filmed before, but these these meetings that are set up, uh, you know, everything people know, Zoom style and everything else. How have that actually been going? It's been going. It's, I thought I feel it's been going really well. I mean, as soon as the you know the changes happened, um, you know, the, Melissa, the town manager, um, invited us to be part of you know the discussion when they were writing policy and, and okay how how can we handle this and working with chris mcclure the it director all right how do you want to handle this how can we handle this what are the capabilities um we had all the technology in place already between chris and i to to 
just automatically adapt to the needs of, of the time. So we were streaming the services live, the uh, meetings live anyway, um, but we just had to adapt to the remote Zoom, you know, Google, they're on Google mm-hmm. Meet, Neat, you know, right. so um, we came, they came up with a policy so that we could just make it as clean as possible and as reliable as possible. Um, so we quickly re- learned real, you know, after the first meeting, we were bringing in the Zoom call, the uh, Google call, and um, and we were televising it. We had a backup record at the studio, but we quickly went, well, what happened if we lost this internet feed? We'd lose every record or, or any instance of the meeting. So, sure. you know, the very next meeting, we fired up the same system at Town Hall internally so that we were recording the call on a whole separate location and recording and, you know, broadcasting the, the call out onto the air. So redundancy is important. So we, we had to just make sure we had some fail safes there. Um, I think that, you know, the, the meetings other than, you know, their end of things of normally, you know, seeing each other or bringing in, you know, paperwork to show each other, you know, they've, they've gone all digital. Um, the meetings have seemed to, you know, from my end, I've been on every one of them at this point. Cause we, you know, we just wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, everybody was covering all the bases and, and, um, a lot of the rest of the staff is working at home. So I've been, I've been covering most of the meetings and, um, it seems, it seems seamless other than the, the, the obvious, you know, not in the same room type of thing, but the, the, the business that has been able to had to get, happen has been happening you know, without, without interference with the technology, which is great. So the meetings do seem to be going well. And, uh, I liked it just from the minute that Melissa had to tell us to kind of close up shop a little bit. It, we didn't stop what we were doing. So meetings started right away, which was great. Then I immediately saw, and, um, you obviously, and again, we got to give a big shout out to Chris McClure and his department who's worked very closely with Brian, uh, and to make this all happen. But then I started to see in the early weeks of this um, weekly reports from our town manager, and then you've brought a lot of people on. I actually came in on one day, but you've had the fire chief, the police chief, the superintendent. What was the whole goal of that? I, I just thought it was really important um, to get the faces out there. I mean, in, from the from the very first one we did, it was, you know, there was so much information, different you know, whether it was from the CDC or from the the, the World Health Organization, down to the president, and then everybody's watching the news, which had all kinds of different information. I felt it was important, and, and the town agreed, was, you know, get our two figureheads, the, the, the town manager and the superintendent, on air together so that the, the, it was clear that they were talking and that the message was in sync with each other and that at least whatever was going on in the rest of the world in our town the the message is firm and you know everybody's on the same page and and they they jumped on that um and then again just getting your local board of health mm. so that you know that's that's the most streamlined information you can get they're getting it straight from the state the state's getting it from the fed the the every time you felt panic at least my advice to people is like just go back to the source right I heard a story, you know, I watched the financial news all the time. And at the tail end of one random show, it was like, and if you have high blood pressure, you're more, it was like, well, wait a minute, you know, you go right back to the CDC and it was like, well, no, it's, it's this heart failure, you know, it's this heart disease. It's, you know, but people would just say things off the cuff and then you'd start to worry about whatever, you know, issues your father's having or whatever, you know it's about the streamlined information and since you know since early on maybe a week or two into it like the 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 disease hasn't changed Mm -hmm. 
right? So there's, you know, there's a lot of variables and a lot of economic turmoil and whatnot, but like at the, at the heart of it, the, the disease hasn't changed and the safety measures really haven't changed. I mean, it got to the point where we're mask on mask and that's what we're doing here today. Sure. And I know that changed in the beginning, but you know, the more people got worried, the more people locked themselves in the house and the more people just kept watching the, the negative stuff of the news, um, the more worried and paralyzed people became. You know, Absolutely. So I think I think that's the most important part is to to realize life goes on. Um, if there's any part of this that's a new normal, um, you you just gotta you gotta adapt and and, and, and go along with it. You know, and, and from being as busy as I've been, I've been working ten twelve hour oh, yeah. days with, with this pandemic. Um, just because the day stretches out, you know, we're 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 covering stuff with with the announcements and then the meetings at night. Um, I'm out and about more, you know, just as much as I have. So my life hasn't changed. And I, and I feel for the people that are pinned in because Correct. they're like a polar opposite of me. Like, I'm like, I, I'm out here and I'm safe. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, yes, there's risk, but the sun's shining, the air's blowing around. I mean, it's still fine. You for know? sure. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, um, so you're taking on a huge thing and you're one of the architects of this. We both sit on a committee I, uh, for any other word i'll call it um you know class of 2020 committee on uh senior activities and there's a good 20 plus on us uh and some wonderful people from the community obviously from the school etc and you're one of the main players in this brian in terms of we are going to have a virtual scholarship night we're going to have a virtual awards program things that we took for granted and then we're going to do something we've never done in the, in the history of, of north andover in terms of we're going to have a virtual graduation a little bit about how that came about and let's not minimize it this is a lot of work for you your department and obviously school personnel how are we going to pull this off well as soon as they made the decision that school was closed for the rest of the year it was you know jumping on the phone sending emails what are we going to do about graduation you know because it's it has to happen um but i think the sentiment right away was not only how is it going to happen but how do we make it you know meaningful right i mean we could you know have the principal stand up and just read a list of names of the graduates you know and and that's that but you know how do you make it personable how do you how do you make it still you know an impactful occasion for these seniors it's this is their once in a lifetime senior graduation um so it's it's all the senior events the scholarship night the awards day um graduation um a lot of lot of meetings um but at the at the end of the day it's um we're for all three events it's we're trying to get as many people to record the speeches that they would have given on site submit it to submit it to us um, we're basically pre-producing whatever we can so we're going to pre-produce um everything so it runs on the same day that it would have run anyway um but um, we're having we're having the, the donors re record their announcements and their speeches, um, the award givers during awards day, and then um, the uh, graduation. The uh, the school department decided to, you know, and every town's doing it. Everybody's everybody's making up, you know, their their own reality. You know, so so North Andover has decided to. Um, they had sent out surveys to the students and their families and they said what's the most important thing to you and and they said they wanted to receive their 
graduation, their, their diploma, and they wanted their immediate family there. Those were like the two top most things that came back off that survey, if I'm remembering the call properly. Um, so their solution, <coughs> their solution was to um, basically break up graduation, or at least the procession. So they're doing, I think it's what, five days of, yeah. of, of the processional um, that we're going to set up the stage in the gym at the field house. And one family at a time will come in, be able to cross the stage, receive their, their diploma, and um, take pictures. You know, the, the families wanted to be able to take the picture of the, the receiving the diploma. Um, so that's spread out over... <laughs> Six days, which to, that's that's six days of production that we have to, you know, it's six hour days, an hour in between, uh, hour break each day. Um, that's a lot different than an hour ceremony for, uh, a, you know, a, a typical graduation on a Friday night. So um, we're definitely happy to do it. We're we're coordinating with them how to, you know, how to set up the, the, the staging so that it looks as, as quality as it can on TV because now we're, we're, you know, that's their sole way of seeing it. Um, we're going to have it broadcast on that. Was it the 5th? What's that Friday? What Correct, the 5th. Yeah. Um, broadcast on that Friday. It'll also be streamed live on our channel, you know, on our channel. And we'll put it out to YouTube so that if it, if it gets real busy and our servers get overloaded, they can they can watch it on, on the YouTube live, uh, the, the, the YouTube stream. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot of um, collaboration. Paul Mayette is the media teacher at the high school. He's taken on um, the award ceremony to edit for us. We've we've come up with ways for people. You can't just email a video file, right? right? It's just too big. Um, so we've come up with ways to you know file mail server it over so it bounces off the cloud and we can download it and we sort it all out. Um, it's uh it's a collaborative effort the staff um has been working from home this whole time but with file transfers and whatnot um, i'm running around shooting all day long i come in I, I stick a card in a computer and they download it to their computer at home and then they edit it all out so you know i you might see me running around but they're doing most of the work yeah. with the editing so and they they're keeping up uh fantastically i mean they, they, they've really put out so much stuff it's great yeah big shout out to paul mayette too obviously collaborating with you and again even on this committee there's so many people involved and again i know it's not the perfect world i know it's not exactly what we'd want for our graduation and i i feel terrible that they cannot have what we're all used to having but i i can't impress upon the community enough the amount of work that's being done by all of these people with the school system as well as people like you to pull this off and we are excited to see how it all goes down yeah yeah I, you know it's daunting thinking about the the three of them and the you know 20 plus people on the call but uh as long as we're getting those those um speeches submitted on time the the editing you know it's a tv show for us it's it's you know we just want to quality you know so we're going to take the extra time to polish it a little bit and make sure but it's uh it's uh it's all the front end stuff that's a lot of work yeah you know, getting those videos in getting people to 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 you know not shoot it from yeah, <laughs> exactly you know the, the weirdest angle you can but um so we put out a lot of, we put out a lot of guidance uh susan and ray put together a, a, a you know a, a cheat sheet basically mm -hmm. for people that can shoot on their phone um and um and then the MCs, whether it's Chet Jackson or the superintendent, you know, they'll come in. We'll we'll get them on a stage and, yep. and shoot them with the with the cameras that we have. And uh, 
and with the award ceremonies, we we really wanted to go out of our way to to get the speeches pre-recorded, and then kind of roll them in live mm-hmm. while you know the principal is is there emceeing it, so that he can see them and maybe react to them or give him the opportunity to react to them, rather than just cut, you know, from one pre-recorded thing to another pre because it would be really dry. You know, mm-hmm. it, it would be emotionless. So hopefully by by getting the presenters to submit early and then rolling them in in a kind of a live to tape event, it'll be a little bit more organic and a little bit more like it was, you know, the, the day of the event type of thing. Yeah, I mean, we're all excited for this. Uh, between Brian's uh, group and obviously the school, they will get good information out to you with exact times, how to, how to access. But it is going to be something that we're going to be excited to celebrate the class of 2020 in these variety of ways. And again, big shout out to you, Brian, for all the stuff. We're running a little bit out of time. I got two more questions for you. And, and one of them is, you know, as we grow as a community and we're hearing more about cable access, how do people get more involved how do they bring an idea to you i mean i've heard you say at the beginning of this podcast that we're open to a lot of different things how does that all go from basically someone sitting in their living room right now to have a thought for a show and then actually come to fruition to actually get it on cable access yep we are we're a volunteer organization so our staff is there to to teach and and educate people on how to do it and support them we're gonna whoever's got interest we're gonna support them shoulder to shoulder as much as we can but you're on your you're on your your seat and you say, I want to do a cooking show, um, you know, come on down, you sign up as a member, um, and then we'll kind of go through the ins and outs of producing a TV show, um, and whether it's a little bit of pre-planning, and, and if you can do a fifth grade outline, <laughs> <laughs> that's all you really need to produce a, a, you know, a show, and then we just take it step by step, you know, if you want to just put a camera on a tripod, and in and shoot a one shot and say your piece or cook your, your, your dish. And we want to put it on air. We put it on air. You know, if you want to put it on air, we put it on air. And then you go, Hey, wait, you know, maybe, maybe I want a title or I want the recipe up on air. Okay. We can add those elements. It doesn't have to be all polished up front. It can be daunting, you know, for somebody coming off their couch. So we encourage baby steps, you know, and there's some high, you know, there's some detail oriented people out there that want to just polish it up right away. And that's fine, too. We'll, you know, we'll we'll go through the whole process. But really, it's it's as simple as come 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 down with your idea. Um, We'll sit. We'll talk with you and um, and figure out the best way for you to produce your show based on your schedule, based on your level of interest or capabilities and in and encourage it to grow, right? So you, you could you could just always, you know, put it out there as, as just one camera shot and go. But if if we see the excitement in somebody, we'll encourage them to go to, yeah. to take another step in a in a month or two or whatnot. Um, it's baby steps. We're not like the same thing. We're not accountable to advertisers. It's really what you want to put out there and what you're comfortable putting out there. Um, some of the neat stuff with the COVID scenario right now is is um, We've had a little bit more engagement with some of our shows that only, you know, we're doing, you know, one quarter, one show a quarter. With Zoom, it's a little bit easier to kind of just get a Zoom show together. We pass it through the studio, put the titles up. Um, she can get her guests on Joan Kulash and her Community Inroads show, which is all nonprofit, you know, uh, promotions. And, um, and she's been doing it uh, almost every two weeks. 
wow. you know so it's it, and, and it's been food banks it's been you know really needed information that's getting out there so I'm, I'm just glad it's making some of this some of the turnout of of this technology because of covid has kind of brought more people out and, and getting more voices out there so let's give you the final word. One thing I'd like to know, maybe a two-part final word, I would like to know what Brian Frazier has learned during, um, you know, professionally during this pandemic. And at the same breath, maybe a, a last word to our residents regarding cable access and, you know, getting through this pandemic, but the future of cable access. I thought about the question. It, you know, professionally, I just just being in the community where we're in the information industry um, and it doesn't stop, right? And it became more needed uh, at this point. We didn't, you know, community television was, uh, was a fun element. It was something that, you know, it was just a hobby or, you know, for people or whatnot. Um, but it got real important real fast, you know, with, with COVID. Um, being out there, being needed, getting the information out so people felt safer. I mean, that to me, that was our automatic first goal. You know, stop, you know, stop worrying. Here's the right information. Um, and being out there when it was dangerous. I mean, one of those, one of the shoots I did, it was the only thing that kind of made my skin crawl a little bit out of all the, you know, being out in public. You know, I went out to the urgent care facility where they were doing the rapid testing, um, I felt it was important to show people how orderly it was, how careful they were um, to encourage people to go so that they didn't think it was too uh, too much chaos and, and put themselves in danger. Um, I just went there, but it was just a little creep factor. You know, you knew people were there because they were diagnosed with with symptoms, you know, so out of all the shoots, you know, it, it, that was the one thing that was, but it was important, you know, so it's about stepping up um, and, and, and being part of the greater good um, and, and getting that information out there to serve people better and make sure that um, people are out there. So um, it, professionally, I just, I just feel like so many challenges were thrown our way and we just had to figure out the technology, uh, the procedure, uh, and the, the limitations, you know, so we all, we, we all bounced off each other and said, can we do this? Yes. What's the risk of failure here? Okay. You know, so there was a balance. So it was really a good lesson in, uh, not being, not having a ceiling, uh, setting the expectations so that it was reliable, you know, so it was really about just just getting getting it done in the best way so that it was reliable. And I got to tell you, Brian, and, and not say because you're in front of me right now, the amount of work you and your staff have done has been very, very impressive. I don't know all the other communities' cable access, but I'd put what you guys have done uh, to help us through this period as the top the top group on this. And you continue to do great work with that. So, again, uh, thank you for coming on the podcast to to also clarify to people a little bit about what cable access is. And in a lot of ways, we talk about the new normal, uh, the new cable access. I think there's going to be a lot of need and uses that people are going to reach out to you when we get back to somewhat of a new normal. And we can kind of get that information out. Do you so, want to say something? So now that, you know, reopening's happening and whatnot, sure. our next little endeavor is to just get a little bit more entertainment 
on the channels, right? Absolutely. So cable, so our access channel, we're, we're going to be hopefully partnering with acting out a little bit and, and just get some distraction out there, sure. right? So local, local singing, local acting. We'll talk to Sarah Durkin and Justin Smalley. Um, you know, get a little bit more lighthearted stuff on the air. And that's our yeah, we, we may want to connect too because we've rolled out, we're in our second week now and we're excited about our virtual program we're doing for the spring because we are closed for the spring. Very optimistic. We're going to be back open in some way in the summertime, but might be a good way to, to connect with you to get it out even more because what we are trying to do is have a lot of fun too. So right. our Zoom classes are educational, they're fun, they're goofy. Uh, we're doing game shows and things like that. So maybe that's something else we could connect But again, Brian, thank you once again for coming on the Youth Centered Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We will continue to do this. We're hoping to get back into our podcast studio and not out here in the lounge. Um, But, you know, when we get the guidelines uh, that we slowly start to open up, and as Brian said, we are going to be slowly throwing phases. We will be opening up and getting back to what will be our new normal. So, again, thank you, Brian, and all the good people down at uh, Cable Access. And as we finish every podcast, we always say too much passion is never enough passion.